Hello, my name is Sergio Moreau. I am co-founder of Rebel Method, a community of founders creating a better world, and your host of the Blockchain Talks podcast, where we will be bringing you the latest from experts and innovators in the field that are talking about blockchain and blockchain applications. And this next episode is from the Blockchain Explorer event presented by MetaX, hosted at the Microsoft Conference Center in February 2018, talking about unlocking blockchain for digital advertising. And the next panel will talk about the computational basics of advertising with representatives from Google and Nexstar Media. Get away from you. You stay over there. So I'm not going to talk very much in this panel because I think Tony and Stan can speak about what we're up to as an industry, but I wanted to set the stage a little bit. Blockchain and consensus mechanisms talk about reputation as a fundamental underlay. And so what does reputation mean and how does it feed into advertising? So Sam's wearing a pin, actually, that I think is really interesting. Um, and I wanted to talk about it a little bit, if you don't mind, <laughs> because it speaks to like showing reputation and showing um, or understanding someone's proclivities just by looking at someone. Is that cool? Can you do that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. I think that this pin is $2.50. I think this pin of $2.50 gets me on the subway. But uh, when my dad passed away, I became the eldest man in my family. And the eldest man in my family means that I'm now part of a society that's the oldest society in the United States. It's called the Society of the Cincinnati. And it was founded by the officers of the revolution after the revolution to take care of the officers and their families. And it passes down through the male line, uh, eldest male to eldest male. And there can only be one member per officer going back to the revolution. So, so I am calling that out. And so there are different things. Tony's wearing. A jacket. You're wearing a jacket. There are things that we do as humans to show that we are a specific proclivity towards doing something, right? So in advertising, and I'll stop, stop talking. There's a reason I'm saying this. In advertising, I think we've lost that. Like, why, what the hell are we doing, and why are we doing it? And so these two, I'll let them introduce what they're doing now, um, have been at the forefront of this for a long time, defining that roadmap and defining that pathway. So take it away. Sam, who are you? Uh, so I'm Sam Cox. I'm the head of product for the buy side and for exchanges on Google's ad exchange. So I deal with all of the buyers, DSPs, networks, etc., um, as well as run a product called Exchange Bidding, which allows other exchanges to bid into the publisher's ad server and unified auction with Addicts. Uh, Tony Katzer, uh, SVP, Digital Operations Strategy and Core Dev at Nexstar. Um, <clears throat> Nextstar Digital was created out of Nextstar Media Group. Our other large holding is Nextstar Broadcast, which you may have heard of. Um, had a great earnings call today. Um, <clears throat> uh, they spun out. Uh, they spun out a digital division because um, uh, Nextstar Broadcast realizes that you know, in in the current uh, current world, digital is absolutely critical to a television broadcaster's future. Uh, so our charter at Nextstar Digital is to uh, continue to build our existing legacy portfolio of digital companies we built or acquired over the past several years and acquire others. And it's a fairly, it's a whiteboard really. We've been given we've been given a very large charter. It's not our digital strategy is not just ad tech. It's not just martech. We're looking at everything from infrastructure to digital content uh, to ad tech to martech. 
uh, to things like paywall technologies, you know, even considering some investments in the blockchain space as well. So we have a very wide charter in Nextar Digital to really carry Nextar Media Group into the future. This is the microphone's not working, so like I'm turning on and off. So in terms of computational basis of advertising, so we talked about the ad space and we talked about how things work. And as .tex came up earlier today, and I think from the, from the more of the blockchain perspective of what you could do with it, but I think we haven't really talked about who is behind all of this work and the IV Tech Lab working group. Um, Sam was part of that project, Tony was part of that project. Um, what does that mean to you? What does that project mean to you as ad industry members? So I think we were just talking about this. <laughs> I think that um, I go, I'll go back to my dad. Like my dad uh, used to tell me that I shouldn't talk myself into going into jail. And so if, if I thought something was wrong, it probably was wrong, and to listen to that. And I think within digital media, um, as it's grown so quickly, we've gotten it got engorged on this concept of. You know, reach frequency scale, like no impression left behind, who are these users? Um, and that became something that everyone competed with and they went and made an agency pitch. So I've got more impressions than you. So I was like, oh, I've got more impressions. And, and that, that's great, but that also means that a lot of bad people can come in and say, well, I'm gonna take a share of that growth. I'm gonna take a, a share of that, um, that money. Um, and the problem with that was, it, you know, with the technology, and I think we've seen a lot of that today, there's a lot of things that you can do um, to that, that can make fraud look real and make it very hard for a buyer to separate the wheat from the chaff. And so people were like, I, I want to buy the New York Times. I, you know, I spend a million dollars on New York Times across exchanges. And when I talked to Susan back there, she's like, yeah, I got 100 grand for you. And where the fuck did that money go, right? And so there was no tool that was deterministic that allowed a buyer to know where they should be buying inventory, right? So. Um, you know, because we've moved past the place where a buyer can talk to every publisher, that old media day where you kind of talk to the people directly. Now, I still think talking to people is the best way to avoid fraud, right? Because if you call Susan and say, where is your stuff being sold? I'm seeing you on 21 different exchanges. She's like, I work with four. So what, what is that, right? But Ads Text became a way to overcome that need for a conversation and a way to gather the data programmatically in the same way that you would go to the Rolex website and say, where are the authorized retailers, right? And so now you knew where you could go and buy a Rolex. Um, and if you want to buy a used Rolex, it's probably pretty good to go to someone who's a good jeweler or someone who has a reputation because you probably can't identify a fake Rolex from a real Rolex walking down the street. And if you get a Rolex for 50 bucks, guess what? It's not fucking real. And so for all of the agencies that buy $3 large format pre-roll in New York Times, you're buying fraud. There's nothing that is too good to be true in this world. It's always, like my dad said, a way to talk yourself into going to jail. And so what we needed was a deterministic marker that only the publisher could post, that anyone could check at any time, that would allow a buyer to look in real time and say, hold on, this New York Times impression is coming from an exchange that New York Times works with, but not from the New York Times' account, the pub ID which is posted in the field, I'm not going to buy it, because that's fake. And if it's coming from an exchange that the New York Times isn't working with, just don't ignore it altogether, right? Because it is fake. Um, and we, we lacked a tool to do that. And so when this came along, it seemed like a really exciting way to um, promote honesty and to promote trust across the ecosystem, because with all of that growth, and we want to see that growth continue, and like, 
you think about the growth of companies like Amazon or eBay, it took trust to get them to grow. Right? So you didn't trust eBay until you could write a review that said this thing never arrived, and the seller could never take it down. Now all of a sudden you had forcible honesty. We had no marker like that in, in ad tech to know what was real and what was fake. And so when this came along with the IAB, it seemed like such a great opportunity to have a simple approach to honesty. And it, you know, we're just starting to see the impact of it, um, but it is something that actually, if you use it, it works. And like I said, don't talk yourself into going to jail. Just because you found something that's really cheap and it's not listed, well, guess what, it's fake. And so that, that was just the opportunity to take. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> and by the way, my, my contribution as that text went as far as uh, applying Neil Richter with scotch in my kitchen after he was off the phone with Alana and Sam trying to get him to tell me what he was working on, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't crack even under scotch. That was something you tell that story. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was literally on the phone with you guys. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can't talk about it. Um, big bottle of scotch. Uh, I, 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 liquor, though. I, would, I would say as.txt is probably the, if you look at the digital media ecosystem over the past 25, 25-ish years, uh, it's. Uh, I would say. I would say you've got. Uh, you've got. I think three major watershed moments in digital media. Um, one is the creation of the ad server. Was step one. I think two, the ability to start to trade media. Was step two. Um, and now I think transparency efforts led with ads.txt is the next watershed moment. Um, that's how I feel about it. Coming. You know, when it first hit, uh, we were. Kind of, you know, as Nextar on the digital side. You know, we own. We own, a we own 170 different television stations and 100 markets. We have 170 websites. Um, so as the publisher, and now the publisher in me, uh, I appreciate it because I need, you know, as ads.txt evolves, and this is only phase one of how we combat fraud in the ecosystem, I have to probably, I hopefully have to pay less of a toll being penalized as a premium media company, as some of you out there are, for bad actors in the ecosystem, because ads.txt will help uh, mitigate issues against fraud. So I think it's probably the biggest thing since the, uh, the ability to trade media. So I'd say it's probably the third watershed event in our ecosystem. By no means is it, you know, and there have been some naysayers, Sam and I were talking about this before backstage, and I've heard it in the ecosystem, there have been some naysayers in the market being like, oh, it doesn't go far enough. Well, you, you've got to start somewhere. You don't build a house without a foundation, right? You've got to pour the foundation. So this is really just the first iteration of something that is going to evolve over, over time. Um, you know, and how blockchain supports that I think is very compelling. Um, you know, I think the initiative about ads.cert coming out um, soon, uh, I think is also compelling. It's gonna take a lot of time to adapt, to adopt that. But I think it's, we're gonna see, I believe it's gonna create a rising tide within the media ecosystem. And if I could, if I could take that comment and ladder back to something that this, this gentleman on the second row said earlier when talking about the, the ad solution, kind of like, oh, if the publisher's participating, then they should be able to charge more. Um, this is the, the, the thing that people don't understand. So academically, you're correct, but practically, you're completely wrong, right? And the reason is, is that, um, you know, Susan can control her inventory as much as she wants. But if her inventory, let's focus on video, because there's a high arbitrage margin there. If her real authorized inventory makes up less than 3% of the available global callouts bearing her name, she can't increase her prices as she gets to certainty, right? What we need is buyers to stop buying the fake shit because you can't buy her inventory for $5. And yes, prices will go up, but the elasticity won't get, we won't see the elasticity that you were looking for until buyers are all uniformly participating. Because if you're selling something at a fraction of the cost, 
bidders are trained to look for ROI, to look for ROAS, right? So someone goes in Kepler and puts in a whitelist and says, hey, I want to target the New York Times. If Kepler's not buying only authorized, I would say that 70% of their money would go to the fake New York Times. And she can't do anything about that. She can keep, she can lower her prices, but it would be a, be a 5x reduction for the New York Times to compete the fraud. And because a buyer historically couldn't differentiate between the two, they would just go, it's the New York Times, it's great, right? Um, it's only when buyers you know, figure out how to beat that they need to be honest again, right? Um, that she, she will see prices rise. Because right now there's just too much opportunity to continue to buy things that are illegal or illicit. Um, I think selling any impression that bears her name if you're not authorized is a Digital Millennium Copyright Act violation. So that could be a really big deal and you could see some major media companies getting sued this year, which would be really interesting. Um, but you're trading in copyright material and you're trading in fraudulent copyright material. So you know, we all hope that the price goes up when these things sort of happen, but the practical economics says that there has to be some time here. That's why I think getting it deployed and getting it out was the first step. Getting people to respect it is the second. And then we can see what problems are left. But as long as people have the opportunity to buy fraud, the algorithms will get fooled into buying the thing that generates more ROI, right? So yeah, and th there's, no, there's no silver bullet in any solution. So I think there's a common sense component to this. Uh, I don't know if anyone here is aware, you know, knows Dr. Augustine Fu. I mean, you know, he does a ton of research in the space. Um, I've worked closely with him over the past several months. You know, you know the, the analytics he comes out with that I've reviewed with him really boils down to one, one thing. It's just common sense. You're not buying the New York Times for four dollars. You're, you're just not. Like, uh, you know, if you see that, it's wrong. Christmas, it's yeah. <laughs> so, so part of it's just a common sense calculation. As that text, I think, is a, force, is a forcing mechanism as well as an enforcement mechanism. Um, but it's also just common sense. You're not getting your Times or CBS or Weather for three to five dollars. It's not happening. Do you guys want to talk about ads.start a little bit just to define what it is? Because I know it's not fully out. But sure. Yeah. I mean, it's <clears throat> it is it, it's really a who, any, who in the room is familiar with PGP? So it's it's essentially a riff on PGP security. Um, you know, you can digitally sign your request for you know. There's a public-private key exchange that happens between buyer and seller. You're digitally signing the inventory, which is then decrypted when it gets to the buyer side. It works great for email, right? Is this really a known and trusted sender? Is this really a known and trusted sender out of email? Is this really a known and trusted sender of a media opportunity? That is the premise of ads.cert, and that's the good news. The unfortunate news is that it's deployed in the RTV 3.0 protocol, which is going to take some heavy lifting for both buyers and sellers to deploy. Um, it's not backward compatible. It's not going to be like prior rollouts of RTV 2.x or 1.x, where those were largely backward compatible. This is really a refactoring of the RTV protocol. Um, so the good news is, is that I do think as that served the fact that you can now digitally sign yourself as a supplier and the buyer on the other side can, buyer on the other side can digitally authenticate you, uh, authenticate that opportunity on the buy side is a huge development. And I, I really think that is, I look at that as the next evolution of as tax, and I really think that stamps out a lot. There's always a better mousetrap making a mistake. You know, a $209 billion industry, people are going to find figure out a way to game it. But it is, I think it really puts a squash on a lot of the fraud we've seen. The downside is, is that it's probably going to take, you know, Sam and I were ruminating on how long we think it'll take to roll out. I think you're looking at a 24-month adoption cycle because it is going to require some engineering heavy lifting. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, 
I could be over us in 48 months. Um, and I think that it's a good lesson for blockchain community, right? When we look at ad tech, um, again, really academic economics, lots of things should work, but when you start getting in close to the metal, um, the numbers here, we're talking about multiple orders of magnitude, more transactions per day than the 346 global financial system. So 10 to 40 times the size of the global financial system by volume. All exchanges globally, every single one of the financial system, all of the in-house trading units, every single investment bank, this is still 40 times the size. And the price per transaction is also a fraction. So, you know, you have to talk, like blockchain would have to be like 0.0000001 cent per transaction. And it would have to work at that kind of scale where we're talking about like several hundred million QPS. And it has to work in less than 70 milliseconds. Right. That's so, a pretty high bar. To, to agree. So, so part of, we were all in Palm Springs a couple weeks ago at ALM, which is the IAB's leadership conference. And it was interesting because there were many, many, many blockchain startups there, including us. Um, and I'm getting the high sign from Zaji. Uh, I'd just love to hear from both of you. Uh, the buzzword this year is blockchain. There's a meme that I wanted to show, but if, maybe next time, where there's a woman walking down the street, and there's a guy and his girlfriend walking down the street the other way, and like she's AI, and he's... Silicon Valley and there's blockchain. He's like, yeah. So it's the new sexy, right? It's the new shiny. And I think it's being pitched in the main. So this whole conference, by the way, there's a reason why we have the crypto folks here as well as the advertising folks. Because I want you guys to hear both sides of the story, right? When they hear a pitch, they hear a spectrum of pitches. And one of those pitches is we can handle RTB transactions in real time on the blockchain. Right. So I just love to hear. You know, you've already answered that part of it, but what is your experience hearing all these blockchain pitches coming from the startups, including ours? Uh, I mean, the old the old trope of to a hammer everything's a nail. Um, you know, a lot of people who don't know what they're doing within the industry who found a new shiny object and think they can go and pitch it into this thing and become the next major company. Um, I think what is valuable about things like Adstock Text, things like Adstock Cert, when it comes, are that they're, they're based in a point of practicality, right? So they came from people who know all of the ins and outs of the industry, know what the linchpin is, and focus just on that, right? Um, because otherwise you get a lot of churn and you get a lot of thrashing about, and the agencies will always test anything. And, um, you know, you have these like, companies that are like, yeah, we're a ledger, but you're like, you're like a high-speed bird dock, dude. Like, that's not blockchain. Um, so from a point of practicality is really important. Um, and that means that if you don't have a media expert on your team, you're probably not going to make it as a company. Um, like, go and get the brass tax expertise to know how the transaction systems work technically, how the money flows, and what the incentives are for everyone in the chain. Because if you can't solve for all three of those things, you're going to run out of capital no matter how big your ICO was. Right? So I think that we hear a lot of stuff, but like, it's a hammer looking for a nail. And if you know the nail to hit, you probably will hit it. But if you don't know the nail to hit and how to align everything around it, you're probably just going to nail your thumb. So it's, uh, I really just, I haven't seen any, that many get really that, like, I've seen a few, but that's it, that are actually rooted in practicality. And those ones have blockchain in their name, but are not truly a blockchain. Yeah, I think it 
<clears throat> I would sum up Sam's comments into it really is going to require a really strong product individual to <clears throat> lead blockchain or a blockchain or company into the media ecosystem. Someone who has that media expertise and can you know have a foot in both worlds of both blockchain as well as media. Um, you know, I was I spoke to two other companies when I was in Palm Desert, and uh, one individual just kept kept explaining blockchain. I was like, dude, I, I get, I know what it is. Like, you know, if you explain it to me, tell me how it's applicable Water to you. Wet. How is it applicable to me? <laughs> right? Tell me how it's applicable to me as a publisher. Tell me, you know, talk to me about media use cases. You know, how do you solve for things like reconciliation, payment, discrepancies? Uh, and I got nothing. It was just like, yeah, but blockchain, you know, blockchain will help combat fraud. Well, how? Tell me how it's going to so I think it's going to require really strong product leadership, someone who has an understanding of technology, uh, both block, you know, blockchain technology as well as use cases in the media system. So one last question, and then we'll open up to the audience questions. What is your bullshit gating factor? So we're talking about this. Like, where did, and we talked about it a little bit, but when you're talking to new companies, blockchain or not, what's the bullshit meter? I gotta answer this first. Go. We're, the only, we're the only company that does this. Done, you're, you're, the call is over. I check out, if it's a phone call, I immediately go to email, I let her talk for about another 15, 20 minutes. If it's in person, I just start thinking about what I'm gonna have for dinner that night. Like, as soon as you tell me you're the only company that does this, it's over, I'm, I'm out, done. If you have something like, uh, this is we can't tell you how it's our proprietary thing. I'm like, oh, okay. That's the second one. I, I had a couple of those meetings. If you can't explain it, you're going to fail, right? Like, I have this belief about strategy, um, which is that if I'm, you know, I, I take strategy pretty seriously. My feeling is that um, if we're competing, you should know my strategy. If my strategy is predicated on secrecy, it's going to fucking fail the minute, you know, it's no longer a secret. And that's pretty stupid. My strategy should be so overwhelming that you should know about it. Just go, fuck, I can't do anything about this. I'll be correct. Right? That's, that's a real strategy, which is one that is, when it's fully known, is unavoidable. That's checkmate. Right? And if you can't play that kind of game, you're not there. If you have to have a secret about your strategy, you don't have a strategy. If you have to have a secret about what you're doing and how you're doing it, you don't have anything. I was asking Palm Desert. It's like, well, just give us a test. We'll prove it on a test. I'm like, I'm not going to let your software into my organization unless you can explain what it does, right? Like, just give me a test. Sure, I'll just roll you right into my I'll roll you right into my monetization system that throws up three hundred eighty million dollars a year in digital and just let you just have that. Like, and, and you can't even explain to you. Just give you a test because you'll win. You just you, you're dealing. I asked Google like, you want to test a couple of all your hardware? Welcome to the NFL. I'll add one that open up to the, to the audience. My, my bullshit factor is the raising money. If someone's doing an ICO and all they do is pitch to you, it's probably a problem. So, um, okay, to that point. So questions from the audience, we'll open it up to you guys. You guys are staring at us. You have to have questions. Oh, there's one. Can you talk more about the challenges I, I, Sam touched on it earlier. I mean, you're talking about you know, some, some hard numbers. NASDAQ processes 5 billion transactions a month, right? The, 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 the ad tech ecosystem, the media ecosystem processes 346 trillion transactions a day, 
it's scaling. How do you, how do you scale blockchain and support programmatic buying? That's the, that's the big challenge. Right. Or do you? Right. Maybe that's not the answer. That's, for that yeah, particular thing. That is the other question. You know, maybe you don't. You know, maybe it's maybe it's some of those transaction reconciliation where you leverage blockchain for your clawbacks and hold the people on us. You, know, you don't necessarily have to scale it in real time. So I think the question is how do you deploy it within a programmatic ecosystem? Okay. I have nothing to add. Hold on. Sorry, so my question would be so I thought the ICC is really interesting because it's pretty in the app publishers talking to like it's just open communication. So when you look at like 12 to 24 months from now, like who's fuel building sorry. So fuel building started right because some of the larger holding companies and technical forces said these are the guys who we trust to do this. Like when you look at blockchain, do you think it's gonna be similar or do you think because there is more transparency on the like in the actual building of the software, that like everyone will actually sit at the table and have conversations, or is it going to have to be an agency or a Google or something like that that drives people to adoption? I think it's going to have to be practicality that drives them to adoption, right? Like, so I haven't seen a blockchain solution that's going to bring any of those people to the table yet, right? So I think that again, to the point I made earlier, like if you know what like what is the product gap that you're trying to fit, and that and this thing practically fits it you'll have everyone at the table. Um, if you try and go to places that um, make any of the constituents uncomfortable, right? Like if you're showing uh, an advertiser, uh, a publisher's contract with their SSP, right? Like all of a sudden you've just violated the contract. Like, like are, are, pe are people going to do that? I don't know. Like I can see a publisher saying, well, I work with a more expensive SSP because that's my cost of goods sold and they don't ever have malware and that one's really cheap and I know you want me to go there, but I get fucking malware whenever I go there, so no thank you. So there are going to be strategic lines and like transparency is a wonderful fluffy thing in, 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 in academia, but like we have people have strategic business interests that are real and are backed by hundreds of billions of dollars of capital. And so finding transparency that works for all involved, whether or not it's blockchain, is a challenge, right? And AdsTechs did that. Um, I think AdsCert could do that. You know, that's going to take longer to deploy. And I think that any solution that tries to come out is going to have to not just be like, and it solves it all, but have to also understand like, what's going to bring those people to the table and how do they make sure that they protect their strategic interests while still being financial, uh, still being transparent. I keep looking at the financial industry, right? Like the basis of the trade, right? Like what is the gross basis of the trade? If you can confirm that, I've, I've, you know, I started my career as a teenager on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange as a bookie. I mean, a specialist, same thing. And, uh, and, and the, you know, you confirm the basis of the trade. And so what's cool about that is, is that the publisher then can know, okay, that's the basis of the trade. Uh, what, what are my views? Okay, the SSP is not lying to me. And the advertiser can go, okay, that's the basis for the trade. Okay, I know what my fees should be. My, my platform's not lying to me, right? That's a very different thing than moving the line one step up. Now the publisher knows what the DSP's relationship is with the advertiser, and the DSP's freak the fuck out and won't participate. And the other move it down, now the advertiser is telling the publisher what to, you know, who to choose as a vendor, and they freak the fuck out, and they don't want to participate, right? So transparency, yes but transparency in a way that brings everyone together and still doesn't have a gap that allows for badness to come in, right? That's, that's, the, that's the needle you have to thread um, because academically, sure, transparency is great, but like, 
why does Facebook want transparency? Where there's mystery, there's margin, right? So, so what is the thing that we need to be transparent about, and what are the strategic interests that constituents are going to need to defend if they're going to come to the table and participate in this transparency? I mean, I think it's, that's, I agree with everything you just said, I mean, but to point out a specific constituent, I mean, I think historically, if you look at the ecosystem, I mean, it's traditionally been buyer-led, right? There's, I've always said there's a little bit of P&G in everyone's paycheck. Um, so, you know, it's historically been buyer-led. I think it's the ultimate ends of the ecosystem. I think it's advertiser and media company-led. Because again, I mean, this is a boon for premium media companies, right? Like, no longer do I, you know, God, why do I have to be IS certified? Like, I'm the fucking New York Times. Like, really? Like, come on, I'm legit. You know, so I mean, that's just one example. So I, I like think it's, I swear. I think it's, I think it's yeah. both sides, ultimately both sides We're of the right ecosystem. I think ad tech, you know, is, I think certain certain areas of ad tech are scared out of their minds about it. Um, you know, to Samsung, where there's mystery, there's margin. Um, I think there are other players as well that are, you know, I'm, I'm imagining probably agencies and agency trade this might be a little uncomfortable as well. I also have a history a lesson a little bit. So Ari Blumen, uh, may he rest in peace, was a dear friend. He was the one at Group M that came up with the viewability metric in the contract. And I was the one at Connie Nass signed the first contract with him on 100% viewability because I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Ari's like, hey, sign this, eight more money. I'm like, yep. So you can blame me. But you know what happened after that was everyone adjusting the viewability metric to suit themselves because that became the pitch metric, right? Well, we're 40, we're 30, we're 100, amazing, right? So going forward and thinking about standards and ads.txt is a standard, right? Ads.cert, things we talked about earlier with Mike, like all of these things that we're talking about, the intersection of the crypto world, the advertising world, the standards world, the, right now, this conversation, this chat that we're having, off the record, um, is a start of something new, right? Because these two products we talked about, they're new, but they're changing the world, right? So what comes next? Viewability, add top text, what is it, right? Cert, new ad server, who, who knows, right? So that's kind of cool. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And that was the computational basics of advertising from the Blockchain Explorer event presented by MetaX. Thank you for listening to the Blockchain Talks podcast. My name is Sergio Marrero, your host and co-founder of Rebel Method. If you like the episode, please do comment and share. A special thank you to Newbie Music for the track. A link to the track is also in the podcast notes. Please join us next time to hear more from Blockchain Talks and hear the latest on blockchain innovation.